Bakalım tamam değil. My mama uses power. Thank you for listening. Bye. Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high rise or low rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. Hey everyone, welcome to season three of Mom Jeans. Yay! We are so excited about this season because we are going to be breaking down some hot topics about dieting, body image, and nutrition. We hear so many myths about food, weight, and health in our lines of work, and from you listeners, and we know how complicated it is to wade through all this information out there on the internet, in the news sources, and trying to figure out truth versus fiction. Oh, yeah, it is so complicated. So this season, we are so excited because we wanted to help you all out there by releasing an entire season of Mythbusters. Woo! We are going to be identifying myths, giving you some history, identifying how they harm you, and definitely interviewing some rad experts so you can get accurate information and find body acceptance all in the same episode. So today we are kicking off the season ourselves by busting a myth that so often triggers disordered eating and body image struggles. And that is... Drum roll. (laughs) Our bodies are supposed to stay the same weight, post-puberty, and throughout our whole life. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, now this myth is so complicated, and we both personally have ways that we help our clients unpack this myth, so we're each going to share our thoughts. So you get this myth busted from a nutrition side and a therapeutic side. Oh. All right, I'll start us off. This is Rachel here, therapist of your episode. Okay, I'm not going to lie. When Tina and I were discussing the different episodes and the different topics we wanted to cover, part of me kind of hesitated about picking this myth as an entire episode because honestly, I think I just hate so much that people even believe this and busting it just kind of seems like common sense. Like, of course, our bodies change. What else is there to say? (laughs) But honestly, I know firsthand how this myth really does impact people on a subconscious level and gets super twisted into their own version of common sense. People really do believe that their teen or young adult body is their ideal body that they quote unquote lost. In fact, and if you came to see me as my client, one of the intake questions in my practice would be, do you have an ideal or goal weight that you're trying to get to or holding on to in your head? So many say yes, and then they give me the number. I then inquire, okay, so have you ever reached that number or what were the circumstances around that number? And I cannot begin to tell you how many times the person has said, well, that was the number that I was when I was in eighth grade and had just finished puberty. Or, well, when I was 15 and in high school and playing volleyball, that's the number that I was at. 
or when I graduated high school and I was 18 and before I went to college. Because then they will tell me, because once I went to college, I gained the freshman 15 or and then I grew up a little bit and I had a baby and I've just never gotten a handle on my weight and been able to get it back to where it was at my ideal. So, of course, then I gently, kindly, therapeutically say in my very blunt New Jersey style, um, I'm sorry, I just want to confirm you're 37 years old and you want to get back to the weight you were at 15? Sheepishly, of course, they admit, okay, that does sound really silly, but really, they truly believe that that was their ideal weight and diet and lifestyle have just messed that up ever since. So trust me, this myth seems silly, but so many people believe at their core that they just need to get back to that teenage weight again. That makes me so sad because all I hear in that, and I can so relate with clients that I work with in session, but like then from 15 or 18 or eighth grade, they're just constantly living in this misery lifestyle life cycle because they're trying to force their body into a space that is not realistic. It, it literally cannot Absolutely. happen. You're 37 or whatever age and have gone through these life experiences. Your body has been with you during that time. How is it likely that your body is supposed to be back at a newly pubescent place or a teenage space, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It, it's heartbreaking when you hear people talk about it because there's pain, which means they do believe right. it. I'm curious how this comes up for you and your nutrition and dietetic practice. Yeah, it comes up constantly since as a dietitian, we are talking about food, we're talking about body, we're talking about movement. And of course, weight comes up in that. And as a dietitian who is constantly trying to shift the focus away from weight and the value around weight, uh, we, of course, are going to talk about weight at some point, right? right. Um, but yeah, my whole philosophy is really trying to take values and shift the value away from these distorted values. Diet culture tells us that we are supposed to hold value around weight and the size of our body, but really that kind of value system is harmful. It's harmful for you. It's harmful for your family. It's harmful if you don't live within the thin ideal or you're trying to constantly push yourself back into that thin ideal that really just isn't realistic. I totally agree. Values is definitely a key component to the therapeutic process as well. I'm curious how you help people kind of reframe that and take a look at their values. So I help people reframe this through this little system I call tears. And so the Tina tears, the Tina tears, <laughs> here are the Tina tears. Yes. So really what this means is that we have different tears in our life that our body is going to be different in and it's normal and okay. So an example is a child tear, our pre-teen tears, our teen tears, uh, puberty tears. I'm just making this up, right? I don't know what your specific tears are, but in each tier, it is normal that your body is going to change. For those that go through pregnancy, it's your pregnancy tier, your postpartum tier, your I'm so tired and I'm struggling with self-care tier. It, in these tears, all it's meaning is that life is happening and your body is responding out of a protection mechanism. 
However, if you're constantly at war with your body and trying to push it back into this ideal tier that you're holding in your brain as this is where my set range is, you're going to be constantly at war with your body. Your body's main purpose is protection. And if you're pushing it outside of its current tier system, then it's going to have a protection mechanism. Those protection mechanisms could be binging as a result from restriction. It could be mood shifts. It could be um, lack of sleep, exhaustion, whatever it may be. Um, and that is your body saving itself. Honestly, I want to point out that like, we can't put our babies back in our body. Right. So I always, um, fighting with clients, not really fighting, but we are always having very blunt conversations that you're upset because you can't get back, quote unquote, to your pre-baby body. Well, you cannot shove your body back, your baby back in your body. And so of course you cannot get back to your pre-baby self. You had the baby, you went through that experience. And now the work is really on accepting the current status of your space. If you've listened to past episodes, you know Tina and I always have a little disclaimer in lots of our episodes, but it's an we love disclaimers. It's an important one because perspective is something we always want to touch on. So, I think this is a good space for us to chat quickly about thin privilege because we are talking from a privileged lens here as Tina and I are both in white straight sized bodies and we want this episode to be enlightening but also we always have to throw out that our perspective and where we're speaking from is a space of thin privilege right so i want to help shift that perspective and enlighten you a bit so i'm going to throw out some questions and then kind of challenge them so are you frustrated because your body isn't as tight as it was in high school are you pissed off because buying new clothes is annoying and you can't wear your favorite pair of jeans anymore are you upset because your body used to be one way, but now it is another, yet you still are viewed in society as holding the body ideal? Well, that is a sign of thin privilege. What about those that go through body change that is significant and now experience marginalization, stigma, and shame over something that they actually cannot control? If I can give anything from this episode it would be a bit more insight into others' experiences and how body change, size, diversity is not a negative, but a necessity and expectation in society versus the bullshit thin ideal that our culture is portraying. Agreed. I mean, I think what people are really grieving is a loss of power and privilege thanks to a messed up body hierarchy in our world. For so many who grew up in bodies that were marginalized, the pursuit of thinness is really a pursuit of achieving the societal privileges and power that come along with smaller sized bodies. They know that thinness is held superior, that weight loss is praised, and that power comes from body sizes and shapes. So for people, sometimes letting go of this pursuit means grieving the loss of feeling that one can control where they are on this broken societal body hierarchy. Again, our focus is always that society and culture is broken, not your body. Now, we want to chat a little bit about the history of this myth because we are information nerds. So oh, we love we love the science and the education. So buckle your seatbelts. 
This myth basically started in health class, as many myths we unpack mm-hmm. in this season do, when the fun mm-hmm. middle school cringeworthy topic of puberty is introduced, when you were laughing in <laughs> class because someone was saying penis and vagina. Yeah. <laughs> and all the boys had to leave while the oh. girls talked about periods. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Basically, puberty is the time in life when a boy or girl becomes sexually mature. It is a process that usually happens between the ages of 10 and 14 for girls and ages 12 or 16 for boys. We also are recognizing that there are many identities outside of the male-female identity. It causes physical and psychological changes and usually comes along with the message that this is where your body changes from a child to an adult. And there, my friends, is where the problem with this myth begin. Yeah, during puberty, your body will grow faster than any other time in your life, except for when you're an infant. So puberty is called a growth spurt for that reason. The fast growth that impacts your height, weight, and physical characteristics happen more quickly than ever, which results in many people reaching their adult height during puberty, which is probably why so many struggle with the fact that just because their height is stagnant from that point in life, it doesn't mean their weight or shape will be. In fact, our height is determined 80% by our genes with a 20% impact from extreme malnourishment or exposure to hazardous chemicals in utero or childhood that can impact the cartilage in between the growth plates. We stop growing at the end of our teen years or the end of our puberty growth spurt when our growth plates, which, fun fact, are layers of cartilage at the end of your bones, when those fuse together. Once fused, the bones cannot grow anymore. However, our weight and shape are determined by our muscle, bone, water, and fat. So friends, there's your Mythbuster number one. Aside from the fused together bones, your weight and shape are determined by fluid parts of your body that ebb and flow just as much as your life stages or tears do. Your puberty body is mostly a result of growth plates and hormone changes that will determine a few pieces of your physical characteristics, but the rest will be constantly shifting. All right, I love talking about hormones. This is why I have a lovely dietitian as a co-host. So Tina, can you chat a little bit about the hormones that are released during puberty, but I'm going to challenge you. Can you bust how it is not just one release that leads to puberty changes, but rather a lifetime of hormone releasing shifts? Yes, I can. Okay. So I'm going to shift it back to the tiers and I'm going to break this down. So tier one, puberty, tier two, childbearing, tier three, menopause. I'm not saying that these are the only tiers in life where the hormones change, but these are the ones that I want to talk about. So instead of viewing it as, okay, I've hit puberty, my body has changed, now I must stay here forever, view it as, this is one tier to my life, change. I should expect many, many more. In each tier, our hormones shift to protect our body. It is not something we can control, even though diet culture convinces us that we can. So example, during puberty, necessary hormones increase for sexual maturation. This is going to mean that a lot of changes happen, one including your body changing and gaining weight. That is necessary as your body sexually develops. During your childbearing years, guess what? Hormones change again. I don't know about you, but once I hit 30, my hips got wider. Nothing changed in my behaviors or life, but my body was telling me, hey, it's time to have a baby. My head wasn't, but my body was. (laughs) Closer to being actually pregnant, if that is your life path, hormones increase 
estrogen, progesterone, and many others in order to support and grow the baby. Hormones change in preparation to give birth to the baby so that your hips can actually spread open and this hormone would be relaxing. And then again, hormones change once you have the baby in order to support your body and feed your baby, one being prolactin. Another major tier is during perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. Our estrogen, in addition to other hormones, decrease, which creates more fat on our body as a protection. This protection mechanism for your body And it's natural. It's nothing to fight. If we are going against our body's natural reactions, then we can actually be causing our bodies more harm than good or continue the war with your body. Our podcast is a play on the mom bod because we know that for so many, the evolution of the body that occurs during pregnancy, even if that means infertility treatments or pregnancy losses that do not result in a full-term baby, are a new tier or puberty stage for so many. So as Tina just discussed, the impact of hormones on our muscles, water retention, and fat composites are all what continue to contribute to our shifting and changing body. Okay, so like Tina and I mentioned earlier, this is often something that comes up in our conversations as we're sitting in these rooms, having these heart-to-hearts and these one-on-one counseling sessions. So we want to share a little bit about what that feels like for us to be listening to people's thoughts and questions and pain. So Tina, I'm curious, as a client is having this conversation with you, how do you help them unpack this myth that their body should stay within a certain structure throughout their lives? Yeah, I really do love this topic because I love focusing on value systems and more specifically dismantling the value, dismantling the distorted value that our diet culture projects onto us. So I'm going to do a little nutrition therapy with y'all right now. So again, I mostly focus on the value of the body. So let's say your value lies within your body size. Then every time your body changes throughout these tiers, you're going to struggle. Therefore, I tend to sit with individuals and help them dismantle this distorted value. How can they shift this value to something more meaningful, more grounding? And then as their body naturally changes, they can be grounded while still holding the space to be upset. This grounded feeling stems from a deeper concept, which is body trust. When we can hold on to the body trust, we can recognize that while we're upset, uncomfortable, and sitting with the difficult toleration of body change, we still trust that our bodies know what they're doing. We also understand that we do not have the power to control our bodies. When we can hold on to our body trust, then we are able to hold a grounded foundational relationship with food, body, and movement. From there comes the true peace. We can begin to enjoy foods that we eat, nourish our bodies in the name of health and pleasure. We can find joyful movement. We engage more in our social network. Our bodies find the true purpose of health. While this concept may seem challenging, know that if it is truly something you want, it takes time. As I speak this, I'm speaking from a platform of privilege and recognize that this value and ability is not accessible for everyone. If I'm working with a client that holds different privileges, I adapt the treatment to them, but hold the same philosophy for all, body, respect, and trust. So Rachel, how do you help clients understand that body fluctuations are normal in order to help them find this body trust? Yeah, similar to what you described about the tier system, I like to kind of make clients laugh a little bit by saying, hey, you don't just go through puberty once. Your 13-year-old body is not the same as your college-age 20-year-old body. This is also not the same shape as your 30-year-old body. 
And if your body is impacted from pregnancy and birth, that is a whole new body you're now living in. And even if pregnancy and birth is not part of the story, age is still happening. We move into premenopausal, menopausal, and older age. I mean, can you imagine if there were a bunch of 80-year-old women in nursing homes looking like 16-year-olds? <laughs> I mean, this is laughable. And yet, as we age, we just keep beating ourselves up internally and externally for our body not being the same youthful body of our naive youth. I like to tell people, listen, puberty is a lifelong process. And I think one of the reasons so many struggle with their changing body is because in American culture, we do not respect and honor the elderly. We do not value the aging body for its wrinkle lines from a lifetime of experiences and its scars and marks from a life lived hard. The beauty industry loves to sell us fear of the aging body in order to sell us wrinkle creams and face masks. This marketing that youth equals beauty leads to a very narrow definition of beauty and a constant chasing of that definition. What I try to explain to people is my favorite quote. Our bodies are simply vehicles for our souls. And if you were my client, we'd even maybe do some art therapy about this. It's so fun to like draw a vehicle and talk about your soul and just explore your body and have a little bit of space from feeling like your external vehicle is such a personal piece that is linked to your self-worth. So I like to give the example of when I think of the journey my vehicle's been on, I can picture my life throughout these phases. I picture my little vehicle five that liked jumping rope and playing American Girl dolls. My 17-year-old vehicle was in the doctor office wondering when she would get boobs in a period like her peers because I was a late bloomer. My 30-year-old vehicle held one toddler in its arms with honestly a C-section scar, shriveled up post-nursing boobs healing from a miscarriage and wondering when her hormones would communicate to her belly to stop looking pregnant. I mean, let's face it. My current vehicle is wondering why I keep sitting on the floor to play with my kids because I'm going to slip a disc. I'm getting old here. (laughs) (laughs) The bottom line is when I look back at that changes and all those different phases and tears, I realize that it's the same soul. The soul has matured and aged. The vehicle has changed and shifted, but it's the same soul. And so I really want people to realize that what is inside matters and your vehicle is just taking you through all these different phases. So we know for so many, the body can feel like a hindrance to the soul. Thanks for a society of racism, oppression, and discrimination based on external appearance or ability level. I know that a straight-sized woman who is able-bodied has a different body acceptance journey than many others. I know that so many souls are overlooked or not allowed to fly due to the appearance of their vehicles. It's our life passion to sit with people on their journey of learning to listen to their soul and allow their vehicle the proper place. We truly hope that our listeners can celebrate their changing bodies for the symbols they are of their changing souls. We truly hope that our listeners can celebrate their changing bodies and the life lessons that are woven in our bodies and our experiences. We want all of our children to learn that to live is to always change and to celebrate the beauty of those changes. Yeah, in closing, your body is meant to change. So embracing change, challenging societal messages and body hierarchies, And celebrating the cycle of life by embracing our bodily changes is really where true freedom and appreciation for the human form lie. 
We hope you enjoyed this season, busting myths with some amazing professionals, and we'll see you at the next episode. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.